0: the sun's podcast my name is kellen olson joined as always by kevin zimmerman hello buddy how's it going you got a whole week
1: of prep and film and one team to look at how is that compared to play and watching
0: it's been awesome uh i mainly film wise there isn't relevant film to take away from any of these teams i think that you can trick yourself with looking at games where durant didn't play or uh someone else didn't play like before they had Westbrook or Gordon because we're going to get into it like these teams they just teams change a lot if some of their primary ball handlers are different like they're just going to play differently that's what it is or their primary sources of offense whatever you want to call it right and we'll get into that but I didn't watch as much of that I watched back two full games that was the last two times that uh, Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard played in the regular season and boy was that fun to watch and if you uh, couldn't tell if you read the series preview on uh, ArizonaSports.com I'm extremely excited as a basketball fan just to see the two of them play and the two of them match up. I would be very surprised if Kevin Durant is not guarding him and vice versa. We'll get into some of that in a bit. Don't want to go into the details too much because we want to start off broadly. As as you can tell, we're going to just preview the series as a whole here, go through what we think about it and what we've been able to kind of take in from just knowing these two teams, particularly knowing the Suns, obviously. But again, there is not relevant Stuff to go back on we dealt with this with Dallas last year because there were so many games there was the in-game there was the like seven in a row that they'd won against them or whatever but that season I think Luca only played once against them and in that game someone big was out I cannot remember who it was. Or was that Mikel got hurt even or something? I don't know. It wouldn't have been Mikel. McKel was Golden State, but it, it, it might have okay. been Booker. It might have been Chris. I think it was Book. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe Hammy? DeAndre. Nah, I don't know. Maybe Jay. Uh, it was It was one of those guys. But we're just going more off of our feel. And uh, I'm really optimistic about this series. I've seen the predictions. I've hear- heard people talk about it mainly on our radio site so far. Uh, I'm I'm interested to hear national perspectives, not including Kendrick Perkins, just saying the (laughs) The Clippers are going to win the series because he's trying to be provocative and get people talking about him. Congratulations, he got me here for seven seconds. Those seven seconds are over. It's never going to happen for me again. Keep giving him his his engagement on Twitter as much as you want, folks, because that's exactly why he says stuff like that. Moving on, (laughs) I haven't heard many other takes outside of that, but the overall consensus seems to lean more towards this will be a series the Suns have to really work for to earn as opposed to more of a breeze. Now, every playoff series, of course, is going to be difficult. I think that even a four-game sweep of a team can be difficult to do. Yeah. But what we mean by difficult is, okay, are you really going to have to grind through six games? Like, the Western Conference Finals, I think everyone forgets the Suns probably should have lost that series. Game two, the Valley Oop. Game four, DeAndre plays out of his mind and then campaign played out of his mind in game two to get there. book, the 40 point triple double in game one, you go through their wins outside of game six and game six is Chris Paul going all four of them featured incredible individual performances. Like they were very close to losing that series. In my opinion, I do not see that as this series. If I had to pick, which I I do, I guess it's my job in a way like I'm saying sons in five and I'm saying sons in five very confidently. And I would go as close as saying sons in four with another, week of Clippers ball to watch but based on what I've been reading looking at with Los Angeles this just has more to do with like I'm not really impressed with them as a team and I think a lot of a couple of takes I've heard on our air is just like the Clippers are a really good team they're a good team. they have not been a good team this year they just haven't been
1: not even last year like it's two years removed from that and last year what (laughs) they went in the play-in right and they had one I know it's one game with a very weird roster, but that weird roster hasn't gotten tons better other than Kawhi. Um, and they lost and I know it's one game, but like, I I think they're going to get a fight. I think that that team isn't going to just roll over once they get two down. Um, and, and maybe like what happened with Denver, um, two years ago with the Suns, and just, they just cruise from there once they get ahead. Um, I could see it going six, but I, I think that would be like there are going to be some slug out games. They might lose. Um, but I think like just this matchup, I know we talked about like ranking where they are, but I think this is a good matchup because they're facing a team that is going to adjust right. And we all talk about Ty Lu being good at that. Um, so I I'm going to give them credit. They're going to play hard. They're going to adjust and throw some things that we don't expect at the Suns. And maybe that steals a game or two. Um, but just like from the talent perspective, unless Paul George uses this week, um, so his status, oh, by the way, do we start off with they're playing the Clippers? Sorry. I interrupted that. We haven't really podcasted since then. Um, the first round of the playoffs now nah, we're past it. We, okay. Okay. Whatever. So like Paul George, like if he just came out of a brace from his knee sprain, just started exercising needs to get into shape he has a full week now to do that but that's still going to probably put him out a couple games if we're being optimistic if they're not doing the Kawhi thing from two years ago where that was obviously a very different injury but they're just trying to say he's going to play to threaten the Suns. i don't know um if he come, comes back this is a different story and the talent's more even but yeah but that's going to be a couple games in probably at at
0: them at the minimum the best case scenario is he's back for game three game four Game three is on Wednesday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Thursday. Yeah, so it was on Thursday. So it's a week from tomorrow is game three. Yeah, like I don't I don't feel great about that based on the information that we've gotten. It's, it's really close. Like we talk about like a midway through the series and we think like that's three weeks away in our head or whatever. It's like no game one game one is four days away from yeah. today. Uh, programming note before we get to like the end when a lot of people stop listening We all have those moments, folks. I understand. You get 15 minutes into a podcast. I understand. I'm here to just talk to you specifically and and me. I do it with podcasts too. Everyone does it. That's what I'm saying. We will be podcasting after every game. This is a change that we have in the postseason. Lives permitting, of course. You have a child now. So that is a a change. awake then. There's a slight change, I guess, (laughs) in responsibility for one of us, at least. Yeah, he should be asleep. I think he should be. He should be. Fine. You're you're not the yelling type anyway, unless like, I don't know. What would get you to yell about one of these games after? I'm like a go in my own space and curse
1: type person. Would a Mason Plumlee triple-double get you yelling? <laughs> would it get you? Yeah, maybe. We're going to be a podcast Terrence after. Mann, who is yeah. my uh, most improved pick when he has a triple-double, May, might get me uh, to yell, get excited we, about we that. love Terrence Mann on this
0: podcast. Yeah. He's not starting. I don't no. know. We'll get to that. We're podcasting after every game. So if you are looking for content the night of the game, we're talking about the night the game is over. There'll be video stuff on our socials. There will be a podcast episode up at some point that night. And then there will be a post game recap from me at some point that night. And usually that is within two to three hours after the game I would say so a lot of you will be reading or listening in the morning because you have obligations we understand but S- sleep yeah. I know like Valley Oop and a couple of other nights there was just like when's the pod coming up when is this coming up and it's like it, we're 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 always working and we're always getting it out so we're trying if you are if there is some crazy game there's going to be some crazy what I've learned watching this the last two years was like there's going to be a lot of crazy moments because there <laughs> were last year there especially were two years ago So if you have one of those nights where you can't sleep, you want to hear more about the game, read more about the game, we're going to be bringing you that stuff. Okay. Central core talking point about this series focused on Phoenix. The Suns are 8-0 with Kevin Durant. Was that enough games for them to establish continuity, build chemistry? It was not, Kevin. Uh, They have not really looked like... The problem is that it's so hard to read it because... Their three biggest wins were against the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are punching each other on the bench and probably (laughs) should have indefinitely suspended their center instead of a one-game suspension, because without him, they kind of look pretty good unless crunch time pops up. And then that's where they keep throwing the ball in like the third (laughs) row, and and Ant really hurt his shoulder, so that threw everything off. Cats posting up from 22 feet every single possession. Just hold your... That's one of the teams they beat. Uh, They beat the Dallas Mavericks, who... (laughs) I don't know if you're tuned in. That was a high-level basketball game. That was the biggest. That was the biggest like standout. It turns win out Durant not as impressive far. in the grand scheme context of things. And then they beat OKC 40 and 42. That was a good win on the road. But again, good wins. They they did not get to test themselves against playoff caliber opposition, in my opinion, in any of those eight games with Kevin Durant. And you could see on the floor. There's just a matter of like we're not. They know what they're trying to do, but it's the matter of executing it and how it looks on the floor. And it just looks like it's a work in progress right now. And it looks much more like that than a finished product, which we should expect to some point. But here is the thing about this series and a giant misconception about this series as a whole. The Suns have the edge and continuity in this series and it is not close. The Los Angeles Clippers. As of today, we'll see if game one lineups change. I don't think they will. Maybe a uh, mid-season, mid-series adjustment will come from Tyloo in terms of the starters. We've seen that before uh, in this series. Russell Westbrook brought in on the buyout. So that's after Kevin Durant got to Phoenix. Trade deadline edition, Eric Gordon. He starts. Kawhi Leonard starts. He's always been there. Nick Batum coming in off the bench for Marcus Morris has been... They made a starting lineup change with two weeks to go in the regular season. And then Zubach is in there down low. That lineup played 83 minutes together. The one without Paul George. And then 128 minutes for the Suns starters. So the Suns starters have actually played more time. And if we boil it down to like, okay, well, like Leonard and Batum and Zubash, like they've been there forever. Like they have 555 minutes together. Chris, Paul, Devin, Booker, and DeAndre have 2,826. <laughs> there is not a debate here in terms of continuity and... The problem with the Clippers is that up until Christmas, 34 games into the season, they were 28th in offensive rating. So they were a terrible offensive team. Very, very bad. They figured out some things on offense. Russell Westbrook kind of helped in the tail end of that for sure. They were a top 10 offense in the last, uh, I think, like three months of the season. But then especially with Westbrook, they were up to like top seven. From mid-January to mid-March, I just kept seeing tweets on my timeline from Clippers-related people that were like, oh, my God, this is, just <laughs> what like is horrendous <laughs> defense again. What is going on? They were tied for 25th in defensive rating. So that is 60 out of the 82 games this year where they had this run of just horrible play on one bottom side three. of the floor. Bottom, bottom, three. bottom five and then bottom three. Uh, bottom five. You know what you do when things aren't working out, Kevin? You change it up a bit, and that's what they did. John Wall, Sia, Reggie Jackson, who, if you're listening to this and you haven't been keeping up on the Clippers, he does not play for the Clippers anymore, and that will please you if you're a Suns fan because he was really, really good in the Western Conference Finals two years ago, and even, like, this year and, and like, the year before that, seeing him come up against this team again, like, he seems to get up for this matchup for whatever reason. He's gone. They made that starting lineup change, like I said. Luke Kennard out, Eric Gordon in. Zubach was our only center going into the season. We're fine. We play Batum and Covington at the small ball five. We're fine. Never mind. Mason Plumlee is here now. We we, we don't do small ball anymore. I'm sure that will change in the series. We'll talk about that. But as of now, they've almost always had a center on the floor. Almost always. Yeah. It's not a good idea against this team. Westbrook replaces Wall. Bones Highland replaces Reggie Jackson. Speaking of people who get in fights with their teammates and maybe probably because he didn't play defense that's probably why top three guys in minutes played from two seasons ago in the Western Conference Finals Paul George injured Reggie Jackson Uh, enjoying his vacation Marcus Morris we do not know if he's going to play he had COVID and then he got listed with low back spasms for the last seven games of the season you just did the I don't know if you intentionally were doing the thing with your chin there being like hmm that's interesting it seems like the buzz out of LA and just like the there are things that you and I say where we're not reporting anything but we just get the sense or the vibe it seems like there's a sense that he could not play like yeah. he might just be out of the rotation completely it's been a decline for him i think in the in he was good in that series in my opinion 2 years ago he oh. was good oh yeah they was, ran
1: offense through him he was he was pretty good target booker in the matchup and And that's
0: that you don't have that I guess but and now they're there and this is why they really needed Paul George. I would not have picked the Clippers to win the series even if Paul George was back when I was ranking them one through four and we were talking about that I think last week that was with Paul George playing in mind but then we got the update from Shams that it doesn't seem like he's going to be he, he is not going to be ready for the start of the series. And so when I said, like, I don't see a huge difference, now I see a huge difference because Paul freaking George is not playing. And by the way, that Paul George, Westerkont's finals run, really underrated. He was phenomenal. He was really good, yeah. In that game five, I think he had like 41 and 15 and was like, we're not losing here. Like We're, we're not losing. You're not having your little party here in Phoenix. You can have, like, not. he's not saying you can have it in L.A., <laughs> but he made them have it in yeah. L.A. instead. One more thing. What's the one thing I've been talking about since the Kevin Durant trade? I don't know, man. You've talked about a lot of things. I have. How do you guard this team? Can you guard this team? Okay. Kawhi Leonard guards Kevin Durant. Eric Gordon? Who guards Devin Booker? Again, the starters. Terrence Mann comes off the bench? Russell Westbrook, (laughs) Eric Gordon, Nick Batum, Avika Zubach. I'm going to say Zubach is on Aiden. Yeah. Which of those three guides guards Devin Booker and which of them guards Chris Paul? Batum Batum gets credit for for being
1: so old he's pretty good but just no. Batum does this weird nimble like I'm the guy Long, who Long I'm going to sit back on you but Booker can just shoot ca- over that.
0: Endless cardio guy. So he does a lot of full court pressure on guards and like starts on guards before they start switching stuff. But he can't guard Chris Paul for an entire series or an entire game like that. That's not going to work. They will mix in Terrence man uh, again. Not going to sit here and say I watched a dozen Eric Gordon games in LA this year, but not a defensive plus on that end, Eric Gordon. And then Westbrook, well documented there. How do they guard this team? I don't know. Lou's going to have to do something scheme based. Like I, I don't see it. Do you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's going to get weird
1: in like zones is it gonna get weird like boxing ones i don't know but like if book puts 40 on him because they're worried about kd i
0: could i don't know if he does that kind of crazy stuff but he he comes up with stuff i'm I gonna th- give him credit there to your point i think they're gonna be ready like their zone busting stuff is gonna come in game one ready they're gonna expect that kind of weird stuff yeah i, think. I mean uh, if you're in man
1: though like i don't know what to do they do like yeah, they switch a lot. No- okay, so Norm do you
0: trap pa- with Zubach like and have him recover back? They don't do that typically. <sighs> he's not good at that. No. I
1: mean, imagine like- get
0: out of there quick, but You're asking Russell Westbrook to make the multiple effort to the weak side corner to get back over there? We we should
1: point out Norm Powell in all this because he's the only one who's like, okay, good athlete, has a decent defensive resume, we'll try. He also is like we talked about this last pot, I think probably number two three best player and he's coming off the bench and like they value him but norm yeah but like if you're not starting him or terrence man then how is yeah to your point i would say
0: he's their third best player right i think russ has been their second best player okay. in the last 20 games
1: but if you're not starting a guy who fits on devin booker even just to be like competent then i don't know he's he's their first quarter guy too so it's like i you you have to change your lineup which goes back to your point on continuity and they're going to
0: do something different than they've been doing. Book is slightly undersized for what we typically see in a two guard wing kind of type in uh this generation of the league where yeah. guys at his uh position are normally like 66 67 68 with like like Jaden McDaniels is 610 with a 7 foot 3 wingspan or whatever and he's like kind of a two basically. Ant is typically the two over there, but Ant is like six five pounds. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Terrence Mann's got the long arms and everything, but he's more or less Booker size, and Booker big-boyed him in the series over and over again. I remember yeah. there was one clip where Mann played perfect defense and just couldn't like get close enough to him, and Booker scored. I remember him running back at Florida, and he was like, Dagnabbit! Like he was doing like the... He didn't say Dagnabbit. He yeah. probably said something else, but he was just like... At himself, and trying Norm, to trying to motivate himself, like, oh, God, I almost yeah. had it there. So he's, he's a good player, and he's a good defensive player, but... Norm Powell's the same undersized, yeah. It, Norm's defense is hit or miss quite a bit over his career. In Portland, it was actually kind of getting places, I remember. Again, I haven't seen a ton of Los Angeles, but from what I've seen, you can't expect... That's my... So that's my problem. It's like if Norm is fine on defense and Eric Gordon's actually fine on defense, you, you don't need fine. You need good. Yeah. Who are their good defensive perimeter players? Is Robert Covington going to like make an impact in the series because of that? Is, throw, is he capable of that? Let's throw Paul
1: George in there. Okay. Then you have two to match up. How much does
0: that I need think in Batum's it? a good defender. Yeah. It's three. Yeah. But I think you need at least three good to great defenders, and then you need the other two guys to be above average. This takes us all to Chris Paul, though. Like, if the Clippers, and this is, again, a big if, have
1: Paul George, Kawhi, and you kind of, let's just say, you even out KD, book. It goes back to Chris Paul, and then he is either being, what, guarded by Russell Westbrook, coming off screens, eh. Eric Gordon, eh. But they're just, they switch so much that that's the biggest problem, and that's, I think, why you might be so confident because you can switch and then swing to the weak side, like the the simplest stuff. And that's why I think the Suns don't need to be in the most advanced stages of, okay, we have it all together, we have all the answers, we have all the little... Widgets, is that the right word, on our sure. on our standard plays that we can pull out and surprise... Like, they don't need all that because it's just simple right now, and unless you can match up very well with them, then you would think they have an advantage.
0: Here's to not shift too far into the this-is-going-to-be-a-joke-of-a-series kind of thing because that's a kind of where our tone is coming from, but it's yeah. more of just to emphasize how much of... It, favorites the Sun should be the odds that I saw the best in terms of picking the games like how many games will it go game Suns in five was the best odds in Vegas like in terms of you getting the least amount of money back for for betting it the Clippers what they can do is one that the game is just going to slow down it's the playoffs that happens we saw in the series two years ago again the key thing is there are new players and new players out but some of the core players are still here but more importantly the coaches are still here so both teams still play the same kind of style Lou is going to embrace the fact that he can slow this game down just like he did two years ago he is going to love the fact that he can do that and even more so to that point the Clippers were 11th in free throw rate this year and then they were 6th in their opponent's free throw rate the Suns we've talked about this a lot they're 28th in their own free throw rate and they're dead last in the amount of the opposing free throw rate the amount of free throws they're giving up on the other end So, if the Clippers are plus five to plus 10 in the free throw attempts every single game, plus threes, then plus the three, uh, there is going to be one game, maybe three or four games where the free throw disparity and like the three point shooting just three point shooting is always going to. I remember looking through the box scores at the start of two postseasons ago when we were like two weeks into the postseason. I was like mentally checking and it felt like. It was like a twenty-three and one record for the team that hit the, the better threes. Like the three-point rate was better. It, that's a lot of playoff basketball. When I was just knocking down your threes, so if you mix in that volatility with giving them a free throw edge, which we're not saying they're going to, but the trending from the regular likely. season sure suggests that they are likely to just give them the free throw edge here nearly every game, if not every game, and then severely to that point, like there's going to be a game in here where they give up fifteen. There's fifteen plus yeah. in, in the Clippers' edge. Can the Clippers steal that game and do enough in the other parts of the game to steal that? Because I could see game two, Clippers take 46 free throws and they hit 40 of them or whatever. And the Suns are just like scratching and clawing to get to like 115 or 110 or whatever points wise. And they're already a third of the way there because of the foul line or whatever. Yeah. And then in game four. Eric Gordon hits six threes. Nick Batum hits five. They hit like 19 as a team. And then all of a sudden we're at a 2-2 series. And we're like, how did this happen? I could see that. Um, That is not out of the realm of possibility because of this. Now, one thing I will say is that Los Angeles is 29th. And I looked through clean the glasses numbers everywhere and just looked for what if the Clippers were great at anything. No. Were they terrible at some things? Yes. One of them mainly was... Points allowed off of steals, additionally. So we're talking live ball turnovers, essentially. And they yeah. were the second worst in the league. And wow. that's not even heavily influenced by Westbrook, just as much as their general team. So not only is their transition defense bad, but they're committing bad turnovers That's why everyone well. was groaning on Twitter, because
1: they had effort issues this season.
0: Yeah, we didn't even get to the game on Sunday, but it was like clear, like, what is, like, are, can you guys lock in on defense for five minutes against, and we can be done with this yeah. game against, no offense, zombies. And and those kinds of guys. Yeah. Clippers were 26 in assist to turnover ratio. So can they take care of the ball enough and produce good enough offense consistently in a slog of a game? I don't think so. They're going to need a lot of games that don't get to 100. That's pretty much what they're going to need in the series. And I don't think they've played good enough defense or they have the defensive personnel to force that out of the series. I, I just don't see it um, to, to turn the focus back to the Suns more so is there one player you look at who has to be their guy in the series above all else? Because I have my answer kind of already. I kind of said Chris, but I think Deandre, um,
1: like if, if he's just what 80% of whatever he usually does, worry about the boards. Like he's going to have lots of opportunities cause they're going to be super worried. And I, I don't know. I think, that series two years ago, that's one where, like, yeah, they were doing a lot more small ball even, and and he obviously, like you said, stole a game from him, value him into another game. Like These things are going to come up for him again against that team. And, like, Zubac, I think he's a great 25-minutes-per-night guy, but DA just is going to really, I don't know, he's the piece that brings all the perimeter stuff out, and if, if he's rolling hard, Katie's gonna get those corner threes that he. I, we need to look up how many corner threes that dude has hit in his career because it's not a whole lot. He doesn't take a lot from there, but Kevin, I feel like a lot Thoreen, of the,
0: yeah. That's you're talking about, yeah. David had a lot of stats on like left corner specifically, yeah, and how he's already hit like four or five this year now, and, and they're probably he's barely done that, before ever in done his that, yeah. yeah.
1: So, Da is a big part of that. Um, defensively switching. I, again, it's like. Yeah, you worry about if he switches on Kawhi, but he can kind of hold up. The rest of them, I don't know. I think he'll be fine. So, who's your dude?
0: I'm going to cheat and use both sides of the floor. For the Suns on defense, I think that it's whoever the Clippers decide is their guy because they don't play an aesthetically pleasing brand of basketball. They just do the switch, 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 this is the matchup we want thing. and. There was a point three years ago where I was watching playoff basketball and I was like, "If this is what it is, if it's just screen, screen, here's the matchup, and we're going at this guy over and over again, like I don't like, I, I don't like watching this relative on like a scale, like in terms of the scale of basketball, I enjoy this is about the least enjoyable basketball that I watch is the switch, switch stuff, because a lot of LeBron Warrior series were that kind of thing." And I was like, oh, my gosh. Hey, it'll got so the it, Suns to the finals. So it'll probably be Chris. The The thing about them offensively, what they have going for them is isolation ball, all that kind of stuff. Russell Westbrook, downhill driver. Eric Gordon, more of a spacer with him. I was surprised to see that he's only taking 1.7 free throws a game for them, considering the amount of space that he would have and how much he's been a pretty good driver over his career. I looked, and it's three and a half free throw attempts a game for his career. Spacing with centers, not helpful, probably. That's a good, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, so free throw attempts per game Paul George 5.3 Westbrook 3.6 Zubach 3 uh, Marcus Morris he's not going to play Norman Powell 4.6 so like they have guys who get to the line yeah, and they're going to do the switch 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 stuff and as we've complained about in the past and it's never going to change the Suns are just going to allow those switches to happen unless we do see that change that would be big so it's probably Chris on defense because they're probably just going to go at him a lot try to get downhill try to draw fouls and that's to your point where maybe DeAndre as the backline guy or Kevin yeah becomes the more important guy because of how much dribble penetration is going to be perhaps an issue for them I think that inside of the, the the nuance inside of what I talked about with the edge in threes and the edge in how do you produce threes dribble penetration how do you produce free throws dribble penetration if the Suns are just giving up lateral penetration here, they could actually not be in trouble, but be in a place where they're way these games are way closer than they should be. Maybe it's Booker that they go at. We've seen that from teams in the past where they like to go at Booker and target him more. But my answer on offense is whoever Kawhi Leonard is not guarding because I believe that he is the only high-level defender that they have over there, and I believe that they have four high-level offensive players at their position, and I understand yeah. DeAndre's inconsistencies over his career, but we saw in the New Orleans series, guess what? I've seen it over a whole series, so I'm going to hold him to that standard now. He can work Zubach all he wants. Like Zubach is a good matchup for him, and that you and I are both like, that guy's really good. Like, yeah. we, we think Zubach is pretty darn good and, and underrated for sure, but DeAndre can handle him. DeAndre can put 25 on that guy every night if, he, if it's really there. Booker, Same kind of thing. If they start with Kawhi off of him and they're putting Eric Gordon on him, he should average 30 a game in this series. Chris Paul, same thing. If it's Russell Westbrook or Eric Gordon on him and he's... I think there's going to be a Chris Paul game in this. 100%. He had the line to me at the end of March. I think I mentioned it on here already where after a Minnesota game, he was like, well, Jaden McDaniels used to guard me. He has to guard Kevin Durant now. (laughs) Anthony Edwards has to guard Devin Booker like he always did. So he didn't say Mike Conley's name, but he's like, point guards have to guard me now. And he's not used to that. Um, so if Westbrook, Gordon, um, Powell, if those kinds of guys are guarding him, the if you rated their perimeter defenders and put the bottom tier guy, like the lower half of those guys are probably going to be guarding Chris more often than not, then he should go to work. And this is going to be a repetitive theme for me throughout the postseason when we get to the second round, if we get to the third round, if we get to the fourth round, if we get to the second round, I guess I should clarify there. This is just going to be my thing. Like, they're, they're four best players, just have to play at a high level, and if they do, they're going to win. No team can beat them if their four guys play really well. They just can't. If we pick who is guarding,
1: Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, you think, we talked about this before the pod, you think Kawhi on Durant, we already talked about Booker. Kogi on... Kawhi, I, I don't think, yeah. think you, that is... I think it's on the table, but I at think the very it, least, it's on the switchable, like, okay, that's fine.
0: Switchable Rum. spectrum, and it'll happen occasionally. Like, Tori will get in there and defend him. I'm not saying Katie's going to guard him every time he's out there, but yeah. Katie will start on him. That that's I, I another, would be shocked if he didn't.
1: That's another thing where this roster construction, again, even if they have Paul George,
0: like, you don't start off with it, but you come in with Tori. Terrence and, Mann will be starting by game three. Yeah. I, I just wonder why it shouldn't be game one and maybe it will be game one but but the Suns are built Maybe Gordon surprises switch. us on defense I don't know I, I yeah me and Brendan were talking about it and I was like I'm sure what I'm saying in terms of how good these guys are as defenders will vary in some way like I'm sure maybe Roko is better or worse than I'm saying I'm sure Westbrook is better or worse like it's not on the line but I think good defense because you guess what you need to stop Devin Booker good defense he can't just be like oh yeah he's fine to be out there on defense it's like no he's guarding Devin Booker <laughs> It's like, a difference. Do you big difference? Do you want to disrupt the ball
1: with Chris Paul, or do you want to actually guard Devin Booker? Like you don't have good decisions here. But on the other end, I think the Suns are in a good spot. Like again, Okogi, Torrey Craig, even Da, in certain small sample size of instances, you you switch them on to Kawhi, and you survive and live with it. If if he hits a tough shot, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's. Again, it's really hard for me to judge this team because, like, Tyloo does do stuff that's, like, I didn't think of that. Or in the playoffs, Pelican Series last year, when you get in, uh, like, they made the Suns go with two centers for a little bit. Like, which, one, congrats on Monty for, like, making the adjustment, but there's little stuff like that where it's just, like, ballooned emphasize in the playoffs and it's like oh my gosh that little time
0: forcing you to this hand score at the
1: rim this tiny thing is just defined a whole game so it'd be like that it'd be like that i'm excited to see it and i i i guess all the the questions we have there will probably be a dumb like oh yeah we'll just do
0: that two more talking points before we go yeah one guy I want to talk about individually as a guy uh, is Russell Westbrook. Uh, I have previews up on ArizonaSports.com. I mentioned it a couple of times. I'm going to keep mentioning it, promoting our stuff. He is averaging 16, 5, 8, 1, and 3. 3.4 turnovers, that being, uh, per game. He's shooting 49% from the field. That would be a career high, I believe. 35.6 from 3. Again, we're talking about historically Clippers. one of the yeah. worst three-point shooters of all time, shooting 36 now, the efficiency stuff, we'll see. I mean, it's it's a small sample size. It doesn't seem like, based on all of our past history, that he is going to bring this level of sc- efficient scoring to this level. But, man, I went through the Clippers' rosters over the years. The last, like, great playmaker they had was Chris Paul. Like, that yeah. They haven't had... Paul George is a good playmaker. Like, he's a good point wing, point forward, whatever you want to call him. But for point guards for guards... Like Chris was the last one and Westbrook is phenomenal at that. He is, he made a couple of passes in Sunday's game where Zubach is like kind of sort of in a ceiling position. And then as he starts to seal and turn around and put his hand out as he puts his hand out, the ball touches it because Westbrook already threw the bounce pass. Like he is. Yeah. Like incredible at that. And I, I'm proud of the piece uh, because I have always been a fan of Westbrook's game and I, have taken my shots at him and criticized him and, and like seen the absurd shots that hit the shot clock when he shoots them or whatever and seen all the bad plays and all that kind of stuff. And I get it, but him becoming someone that everyone just dismisses and says is trash now. And it's like, he's someone who already, of course, like replied to my story and said, like, he's going to be the son's best player in the series. It's like, he's probably not going to be, he's probably going to be the Clippers second, third or fourth best player in this series. Cause he's been good this year. But they don't have anyone like him who can attack a defense and immediately know, okay, Kevin's low, man. He's coming over and then Roko's open on the wing. Like he just, he sees that stuff and he's so fast still. Yeah. Like if you haven't watched him in a game, he's still really fast, really fast, and he can just get, if you're just not going to help at the point of attack or let him get a driving lane, like the, the possession's pretty much done. It's just a matter of if the shot goes in or not. I
1: didn't watch much of him with the Wizards, but like on the Lakers, even as terrible as that went, as badly as it looked like he played, his assist numbers were still up there. He was coming off the bench and making plays for others. And I think that was an important moment in his career because, like, yeah, he hasn't adjusted well because of who he was, like, that's how he's wired. That's how he played it. If you watched him at UCLA, he was, was not... Crazy. He Was he even coming off the bench, I think, behind Darren Collison? because I think he was at first. At first, because he was just this reckless dude, and he doesn't change who he is. But the Lakers thing, like, as bad as it was, I think it was super important, because now you put him back in the lead role, he, yeah, he needs to touch the ball and, and be in control more to get a feel and actually have pace in his role... Um, be on the ball, but I think it taught him, like, okay, I'm not the same player, I'm not going to score 30 every game, but, like, I can be more efficient in these ways, I can play make more, I can do these things to complement my team more. And I think you're seeing that now? And again, like, maybe, yeah, his... He, like his shooting numbers are just wacky because I don't understand physically like why the ball would hit the shot clock sometimes. that's right? It's just like yips. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. Or like why he would just throw a pass 10 feet too high and the two turnovers are high. But from the standpoint of if he's in a rhythm more, then those efficiency numbers might actually be kind of real. And he's not trying to score all the time and he knows he plays with Kawhi Leonard now. So I agree with you and I think... Like, yeah, he was easy to make fun of, but
0: still a really good player and athletically still there. If it wasn't freaking Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, I'd be like, ooh, a Kogi guarding him is going to be fun. Like, that's just going to be really fun to watch. If you're watching just, two guys yeah. on the floor, it's just, I hope they let them play because that's going to be physical. You were doing the mashing, fist mashing kind of thing, fists. Mashing fists, hitting each other. Absolutely. Um. The shooting numbers are what they are, and I included the clip in there of the outrageous Golden State game where Draymond played off of him 25 feet when he was 25 feet from the basket, and then when Westbrook would pass the ball to the right side of the floor, Draymond would be 10 feet behind the guy guarding the ball and was like basically a second line of defense on that guy. It was crazy. I don't expect the Suns to do anything like that, but with that being said, this is a playoff environment where weird things come out, and look, if he has a big game one and he's just getting to the rim at will, maybe they do that maybe they just say take nine threes go ahead like we we don't care um also concern for the team that until the last few
1: weeks um had trouble staying in front of people had trouble reaching complained about getting foul calls and people just ran into them because they would just take it kind of
0: yeah guess who's playing the series lander Shamit's playing the series they need on ball Mm -hmm. defense against this group he's playing um I would be shocked if he was if he if he wasn't playing. Um whoever are their best on ball defenders on the perimeter, that is who Tori's gonna play a lot in this series, and mm-hmm. I think that Landry is going to play a fair bit as well, and I'm not sure about anyone else, to be honest. Um that's the part of his game where it's a really difficult thing that he deals with because he has to balance maintaining his confidence and playing the way that he is supposed to as a basketball player, while also not just taking forty shots because they're they are 10 feet away from him everywhere. And he's within 15 feet of the basket. If you just think about the visual there, it's it's a really tough balance that he finds. I'm curious to see how he does it in the playoff series, because we haven't seen him in the playoffs since I believe Washington. And even then in Washington, he was like the guy on Washington. This is not him as the guy anymore. And I'm really curious to see how much the Suns play off of him. They are going to give him room. It'll probably be Chris. I would expect in, in some stretches, but a Kogi, that's where he can do free safety stuff, perhaps.
1: Chris on Aaron Gordon. Eric Gordon. I did this last time, I think. I mean, Eric. Someone if has I, to
0: guard Batum, and it's like, is Batum yeah, going to beat the mismatch there? I don't. Th- I think they start Chris on Batum and then yeah. work their way around. And then Gordon Booker is, that's good stuff, at least Booker, seeing how he can think do against Gordon. Gordon's has, a really good scorer. Has
1: Booker and Westbrook? I feel like Booker's guarded Booker Westbrook. Booker has guarded him a lot in the past, yeah, yes. I think he can hold up. And I so think he might end up being that guy.
0: So if you think Westbrook isn't as much of a focal point offensively, maybe you put Booker on him and then you put a Kogi on Gordon. But I, I think it'll be a Kogi on on Westbrook to start. Um, the the last thing on him is that I just feel like he's a really misunderstood guy. And I, I mentioned at the top of us talking about this, he's he's one of my favorite. Basketball players like if I had to rank my top. I can't do five or ten. That's like too little mm-hmm. but like my top 25 players favorite ever Since I was a kid So since I was like six years old and comprehending in 1996 what was on the TV screen in front of me Like he's making that top 25 just the way that he plays the way that he passes Passing has always been my favorite part of the game. We've talked about this um, I think he's a really misunderstood guy now This is through the lens of if someone is an absolute uh, a-hole to the media <laughs> Or in just the settings we see them in as a personality through the media, mostly, maybe they're the nicest guy in the world behind the scenes and they just don't like the media. Vice versa, if they're the nicest guy in the world to the media, maybe they're still mean and not a good <laughs> person behind the scenes. Like you can't take all that stuff for face value. And I'm not saying this to say the absolute, with absolute certainty that Russell Westbrook is an awesome human being. It seems like he's an awesome human being. Like he's, he seems like he does a lot of awesome stuff. Paul George had this great quote that I found where he was like, yeah, like he's talking to Steven Adams about New Zealand. Then he'll go over to Jeremy Grant and be talking about like Philly and all this kind of stuff. And like he he gets to know every single teammate on like a personal level. And George was like, yeah, you have like your three or four buddies or whatever on a team typically. But typically you're not getting to know every single dude. And he seems like that kind of guy. Every coach teammate we hear feedback from seems to say they love having the guy. They love him on their team. And think about that. Like love having him on their team when they know he's going to do five things a game that drive them crazy. Yeah. Cause he plays so hard, so I, I just wanted, yeah. I just wanted to vocalize it. I wrote it enough as it is, but this I, might be this might be it for him. I don't know if this is it for him in the NBA, but in terms of like a big moment, potentially, like this might be it. Like him being a meaningful part of a playoff series, probably the last time it's going to happen.
1: If I made a top five,
0: five list, like I agree with you
1: about being excited, like when you watch him play, like he's just captivating, captivating. Yeah. But of all things that I think about him. If I made a top three list of hardest players I've watched play, I, is, I, I don't care wh- how productive he is, whatever, he's in that list. Like, like plays zero, the hardest? Plays the hardest. Yes. Just straight up. Like, it it doesn't matter where his energy
0: goes, like, he plays harder than everyone. In terms of, like, since I've come in covering the league, I think it's him, Mikel, Like I don't even know other names really. Like I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. He snoozes off the ball a lot, Westbrook does to yeah. give him credit, but he's not like that's just Yeah. It's it is what it is. But he he plays, so like it's Again, the line that I have from Kirk Kreesa that I talk about with you is like he seems to get mad when he gets tired. He's like upset at the body giving his body giving him the notion that he has to slow down. And then it's, he's going to go hard. Yeah. And then he's going to run harder. He gets faster and m- runs faster as the game goes on, it feels like. And he's, yeah, some of the clips in the story, like he still has that part of it, his athleticism into at mid 34 uh, years old. Do you want to talk about drama, him and Kevin Durant now? I don't. There's no beef, Kellen. That Russ, was a quote. Today. Russ said they're good. Katie said, ha, ha. I guess, similar stuff today. He just, like, said it's not really, like, it's not a thing. Like, it's just. Look, he's a Hall of Famer. I look, I like matching up against Hall of Famers. Like It's great to match up against all-time great guys. Last thing before we go, some people would have wanted to talk about this earlier, but just, again, zooming out, looking at what other people are saying is big talking points about this game. Do you really think that it matters that the Clippers have a better bench? Dude.
1: They have two guys on their bench who should be starting, and then if you put the two guys on the starting unit on the bench, I don't know. I don't know if that's is that a thing? I didn't. I, I was looking up
0: this and looking for numbers that could reflect it, and I didn't get there. But guess who scored the fifth most points on the Suns this year? Total points. Total points. So the top four: Chris, Devin, We're Mikhail, DeAndre. Okay, we're counting them. Yeah, who scored the fifth?
1: Tori. mm mm-hmm.
0: No idea. Damian Lee. What? Yeah, the fifth most total points on the Suns this year. Damian Lee. Crazy. Did not expect that, but he's played seventy plus games, and he played a fair bit three is worth more than two, the math there. And then a bunch of guys are at like 400 through 600 points for this year. He was at like 600-something um, or 500-something. Like Norman Powell was over 1,000, and that's kind of what I was getting at is that his yeah. offense alone, Um, you can compare him to Terrence Ross and say they're similar there in terms of like flamethrower, but Powell's going to give you scoring every night. Like, Ross, you never know. You just never know if you're going to get it. Uh, so Powell has that. Man has that. I do think that they're deeper. But I think that their success is their success is dependent on the fact that those guys come in and make a difference in the game. The Suns don't need that. The Suns can cherry pick, okay,
1: Landry Shaman had a good game. He could not play the next night if they figure out something. And maybe Biz has a big game. I think the Suns have more options. The Clippers have the like you have to ride with those guys, obviously.
0: Yeah, but if you're gonna argue like Mason Plumley and Bones Highland versus Campaign and Bismack Biombo, like that's square. I think it's more of like the top. It's just like also Natal and Terrence Man at the top versus Shamit and Craig, or I guess would be the two. But like Ish is Ish is gonna play in this series probably. Like again, I'm talking point of attack, on ball defense, defense, the switching team, the team you switch against. I think Ish is gonna play a bit. I think Yeah.
1: The Suns are more not even in production. It's more in context of how they fit with the starters, basically, is what I'm trying to say, I think, if that makes sense. The Clippers well, you- do need
0: to get something out of their bench. You have the Suns. How many games? Six. I'll go six. Really giving me that extra trip back out to L.A., man. You're really doing that to me.
1: You're in five? Five. Yeah.
0: I think it's five. Um, again, free throws, threes, and math matters what I expect is the first two games of last postseason which is where we were like this is a sweep this doesn't look like it's going anywhere is this seems this gonna win the NBA championship they're gonna and then we're gonna see in games three and four how much the series the dynamic of the series changes Lou is not typically start of the series it's more mid-game and more so mid-series and like when when I heard about his mid-game adjustments and all that like covering it over a series we were two games in, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, like there were there was in game stuff, sure, but every Monty said this. He had a presser in New Orleans that I'll never forget. This just because it was talked about ad nauseum. Adjustments, adjustments, and Monty specifically, and he was like, "We make adjustments in every single game." Yeah, this is not just a playoff thing that happens all of a sudden. We go at halftime, in between quarters, during timeouts, during the game, we're adjusting to. We're things. We're too dumb to see it, but it like, happens. Tyloo does hit like.
1: He punches a completely different scheme.
0: But then like midway once, through game three, yeah. I was like, why does this game feel so different? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he can just change the entire feel of the basketball game with what he's changing. I'm too dumb. Again, too dumb to see exactly took what he me, did. It took
1: me 24 minutes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I need to watch. The you game realize it's mid game. Yeah. But then you're like, oh, <laughs> that's why the game feels so weird. So I expect the first two games to be relatively uh, concise and cut to the point. The Suns are so much better; they're heavily outmatching them. We, if you forget New Orleans and Dallas, that's what we were looking at. It was pretty convincing. I mean, Game then, Two was was it was Game Two of the Dallas series, the one where they picked on Luka like every single possession in the second half, and that man was in trouble. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, Game Two actually. I'm sorry, Game Two, in New Orleans. That's when Booker got hurt and they lost that game. New Orleans scored 125. I think that was a big, like, second chance points offensive. Jackson so the, Hayes moment. New Orleans hit 17 threes in that game. And they, yeah, they just, uh, oh, 28 points off turnovers. The Jackson Hayes moment. Oh, man. The Jackson Hayes moment. That was when Ingram had 37, 11, and 9. Looking forward to watching that guy play tonight, by the way. Ooh, yeah. Him and Shea. That is people kind of laughing off at the playoff game, like especially tonight's edition. Like, I get it. The Raptors are miserable to watch. The Bulls haven't had that good of a year, but Brandon Room, Shea Gildas-Alexander, sign me up. I'm trying to get home in time for that for sure. Okay. We'll okay. be back Sunday after. No, Sunday night. Because it'll be 5 o'clock. p.m. Do we know yet? What are you are doing?
1: No. Okay. I
0: need to. Do they have a seat for me? I don't know. You're a pretty important guy, man. Yeah. Well, we will, we'll, we'll we will be either be doing somehow. this over Zoom or in person or at the arena or whatever. Jeremy laughed. Our video guy laughed when I told him how we did the podcast before, which was I went on my laptop, went under QuickTime and just clicked new audio recording, <laughs> clicked record and we used the laptop mic. I thought it sounded great. It did sound good. This is this is the thing, but then but then audio people like Jeremy are like, oh my god, that must have sounded horrible, and it's like it sounded fine. Yeah, technology these days, but he, we will have now microphones professionally. Jeremy Apparently. will be there uh, for for what he says what yeah. he told me. All right, so we'll be back in a couple of days and see how uh, right or wrong we were. I'm at the point now. I'm, I would say I'm not up the hill yet at the top yet but i'm getting to the point where i've been driving uphill for a while now where i'm like i just want to see the basketball now i've been writing about this series and talking about it enough where i was like, I just want to see how it p- plays out and uh nearly there but not i don't quite. know if we are it's four days away but i can't control when i get that getting there you know what i'm <laughs> saying and it might get there so yeah but again i would much rather have this than okay the new orleans series or dallas where it was like 48 hours and that's the thing denver Denver and we'll we'll talk about this like one tiny thing before we go. The the schedules came out and both Golden State and LA, huh, in in their series have two separate stretches where they have two days off instead of one in between games. Uh the Nuggets series, the 1-8 and then the Suns in the 4-5, they both only have one. So if the Nuggets take care of their opponent in 4 or 5 games, we'll see who it winds up being. And the Suns take care of their points in four or five games. Like they'll just start that series. That's what they do. So we'll, we'll see now. So that's where I think we're going to talk about this maybe midway through the week or something. But if Denver gets a good draw, like they get Minnesota or they get Oklahoma City, and this game, like, is it? It's three one in game five, Suns, and we're like, ooh, you might want to win this because Denver's been w- resting for three days now already, <laughs> and it becomes one of those things, you know? Yeah. We talked about that in uh, the Clipper series too. Because they swept the Nuggets then. All right. You ready? Excited? I'm excited. Anything else go wrong today? Nope. Across Valley Sports? We're all good? Bye, everyone.